You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. David Rice about options for young dentists, such as working for a DSO, joining an existing practice, or starting a practice from scratch. Dr. Rice established and runs a comprehensive dental practice that emphasizes sedation dentistry, dental implants, general dentistry, and cosmetic dentistry. David, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Thanks, Phil. It's a pleasure to be back. So we're talking about pathways to practice. I know you work with many dental students and young dentists with Ignite DDS, which is a program you'll talk to us about uh, shortly. What do you see are their biggest concerns, these young guys and young women that are coming out of dental school today? So their biggest concern is their debt. It's, um, you know, whether it's uh, fact, fiction, um, how they feel or reality, it, it is, it's massive for them. And it is absolutely influencing their decision-making process as they come out of dental school from day one. And I can see why with all the extraordinary tuition costs that are involved with going to dental school. It's crazy. I'll tell you, um, you know, the ADA um, will position that number on average at, I believe, $275,000 now. Mm. However, my experience running around is it's probably more like three fifty, and that two hundred and seventy five reported average truly is a meld of um, you know the students who are fortunate enough to have parents who are able to cover that tuition cost and the vast majority who don't but so excuse the number a little bit, but if you said you know the the typical dental student walks out with three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's that's a frightening number. With that kind of debt, there's no way someone's going to be able to um, accumulate more debt by building a practice of their own straight out of dental school. So that's kind of, you'll you'll I mean that's going to be part of your topics that you're going to be talking about here. But that's kind of off the table, is it not? So it's really interesting that you say that. Um, so for some of them, yes. You know, for some of them, absolutely. And. The, the, here's one cool statistic. Uh, you know, the, the, the default rate on a practice loan for a dentist in America today is like less than 1%. It just doesn't exist. You know, thankfully, thankfully we're in a profession that, um, you know, even when we're not doing everything as well as we could be, we're successful. So, most um, lenders, dental lenders specifically, who understand that, you know, they'll want a young dentist to have some experience. So at least um, a postgraduate program, and if not a postgraduate program, two years of, of practice experience. And if they have that, and that young dentist has uh, demonstrated that they are um, savers and not not spenders, mm-hmm. and they've got some kind of equity built up as in cash flow in an account, there are, you know, the big dental lenders will will take that risk and loan, but it's still at least a year to two out for most people right out of school instead of right out of school. Right. So, and even with that year or two out, they haven't reduced their school loans by much, right, in Correct. two years. So even if they get accepted by a lender and they look at them as not a high risk because of the great statistics you just gave us, a very low default rate, um, 
they're still looking at piles of piles of debt by the time they do build their own practice once even if two years has passed so let me ask you this so how do how does this impact the future of dentistry uh these big concerns of debt I, I look at this debt really on both sides and um you know we've 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 talked a couple episodes about building relationships and really people understanding people and i look at this almost like uh I'll date myself, but I, I, I think you'll understand too. But remember when you were in like junior high and there was a dance that you went to and, you know, all the guys hung out on one side and all the girls hung out on another side. And all of us guys were really afraid to walk over there and ask a girl to dance because they might tell us no. And if you asked all the girls what they were afraid of, it's, um, it was that we weren't going to go over and ask them mm -hmm. and, you know, they were going to be one left out. And I look at dentistry right now much the same way, because what we have happening is this massive group of young dentists coming out, and they don't believe that there are opportunities for them. So, you know, a third of them go to a DSO because they feel like that's their only option. Mm -hmm. And then if I asked a group of seasoned dentists who've been doing this for a while, can they find a young dentist to come into the practice? Most of them think no, so they end up um, making some different decisions along the way, when really it's just two groups of people who actually really want the same thing and are capable of connecting. You and I just have to help people connect the dots. Well, that's really and, interesting. And that runs a lot of interference with that. So I understand the DSO part, and for those listeners that don't know what that acronym stands for, it's dental support organizations, which are large corporate entities that buy up hundreds and hundreds of practices and under one umbrella, they purchase all the equipment, the services, and they let the doctor do their thing and not have to worry about the business end of it. But the part about where someone has an existing practice, why wouldn't they uh, expect a young person to make that connection? So it's, it's interesting is, as, as I, as I run around the country, what I hear a lot from dentists of 25 years, 30 years is I can't afford to pay a young dentist what XYZ DSO business can afford to pay them, so they're not going to want to come here. And the other factor with it is, very sadly, a lot of dentists who are um, at retirement age or nearing retirement age, you know, that whole 2008-2009 um, hurt a lot of people significantly, so they um, have a fear of bringing this young person on because can I afford to give up some dentistry and have that young dentist um, in my practice? Or should I just keep all that dentistry to myself and then, you know, wait a couple more years and then bring that young dentist in? So are dentists, the corner dentists selling their practices to dentists that are out for a year or two or just getting out of dental school? Or is the DSO just buying them up? Great question. It's it's both. So I think, you know, um, just like we're seeing a percentage of young dentists go into the DSO as their first stepping stone out of school or a postgraduate program, we're seeing a percentage of seasoned dentists um, sell to the DSO. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to judge that as good or bad, but it definitely impacts our profession. Um, those seasoned dentists, if you're that person, you know, what you have to simply understand is what, what commitment 
you're making, you're, if, if you sell your practice today, you're not going anywhere for at least two years. You know, that DSO wants you around. You're the brand. Um, if you're the young dentist and you walk into a DSO, you're committed to be there for two years um, or you're going to owe them some money back. So, again, it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just I think it's a, it's a it is a pathway that we're seeing in dentistry right now. It, it, it currently occupies, from what I understand, about 16 percent of market share um, and it's expected to get to about 32 to 34 percent over the next five to seven years what's that dso hover there is that yep. okay so there's Correct. there's 16 percent now 16 percent of dental care is being delivered through a dso correct yeah, that's amazing so yeah. how, how does our listeners uh benefit from all this we're discussing all this and there's both there's both sides the men on one side of the dance floor the women on the other <laughs> and they both don't know what to do and they neither one wants to be embarrassed or disappointed or whatever. So talking about both sides in the dental world, we're talking about the, the baby boomer who's looking to get out of dentistry or maybe younger than that, who's looking to take an associate on. And then you have the younger dentist who's deciding, thinking about, okay, where do I go? So there's a couple things. First, I would say this. If, if, you're, um, if you're on the baby boomer side, it's never too late. But under, one of my greatest mentors shared this shared this with me years ago, and I was, I'm really thankful he did, but it can take upwards of 10 years to truly transition out of your practice. So if you're remotely thinking about getting out and you're thinking, oh, that's five years from now, it's seven years from now, it's 10 years from now, if it's 10 years from now, you need a strategy today hmm. because odds are you're not going to find the perfect young dentist to take over your business immediately going to take some time and then you have to work out this process and, and transition and the whole nine yards um and if i am that seasoned dentist like my head is thinking about two big groups of people i want to make sure my patients and team are well taken care of and then the other big group is i want to make sure my my family's well taken care of right so what can i be doing today in order to have a strategy that allows me to exit my business so patients, team, and family um, are all well cared for and I can feel like my 25 to 35 or 40 year run, whatever that is, was worth it. And if I'm a young dentist, I'm looking at the same exact scenario, I'm just looking at it on the way in. Mm -hmm. So understanding the landscape of dentistry today is really, really important for all of us, no matter what age we are. Right. That's a great answer. So how would, starting with the young dentist, how would a young dentist know what's best for them? Is it that, let's say it's a second income, maybe they're married and the person who's the dentist uh, feels that, well, I don't really want to get involved with buying equipment and servicing an office and hiring. I don't need any human resources issues in my in my life i just want to i just want to do dentistry would a dso be the best path for that person so that's a really really good question um can i back it up for one second yeah, please please do so i would so my greatest advice to every young dentist is this your most successful path in life as a dentist is owning your own practice now if you absolutely want to turn a key at 5 p.m and go home and you want nothing to do with running a business, 
then think about what your options are. One is, okay, maybe I don't own, maybe I do go to work for somebody else. The other one is, maybe I hire a team of people who work for me who can run that business. So, you know, you can think of yourself as a CEO of this small company and you have an advisory board of experts. You know, one's an accountant, one's an attorney, one's um, a financial planner. And you don't necessarily have to do all those jobs in order to maintain ownership. And you don't necessarily have to be there full time. I mean, I, I practice two days a week now in my practice and then, you know, Ignite Yes is the rest of my my life. So there are lots of ways to do this. Um, you just have to figure out, you know, what your personal vision for, you know, happiness and life is and start there. Going to the DSO thing, that doesn't necessarily become the major path for someone that doesn't want the responsibilities of running the business part of it. You're saying you can actually own your own practice and still be successful and still have enough money at the end of the day after paying everybody to do these these tasks or these uh, responsibilities as far as running the business, you don't need to go the DSO route. No. And again, um, not a judgment of good or bad, but under, you know, just, a, I guess, um, an understanding as a, a young dentist, like what paths are available to you. So you can go to the DSO route. You can do what I did. I have three partners. You know, we share responsibilities mm-hmm. um, and we each kind of, own a space within the practice that we we really enjoy um and we have great balance and lots of time off and you know nobody really beats themselves up too much but at the end of the line what we have as as practice owners is a massive asset that we can sell and along the way what we also have is a massive tax advantage and that to me is why ownership is at some point in your career um so critical to success. Right. You, de- you definitely don't get that tax advantage with DSOs because you're, you're, you're an employee. Okay. Yeah. So there's so much more we can talk about here, David. There's no question about it. We need to have you back on, um, if it's okay with you another time, and, and delve deeper into this uh, pathways to practice because this is uh, really phenomenal stuff. And by the way, if anybody's interested in learning more from Dr. David Rice, he has a website, ignitedds.com. It's a consulting company and and also a training company, Ignite DDS, correct? Yep. Just think of us as a giant mentorship community and um, education hub. You've done some webinars for us on VivaLearning.com, and doing a webinar uh, on Pathways to the Practice would be phenomenal, too. That That's something we should look into. So, again, David, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me.